1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. And Paul writes, Therefore, when we could not bear it any longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we were destined for this. The subject of this message is the nature of true biblical faith. You see, I'm reading this text, specifically chapters th chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. I could not help but noticing the prominence of the word faith. I'm sure when you read it, you'll see that word appearing on more than one occasion, more than 20 times. This word is reoccurring, mentioned in each chapter in 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Somewhat like how we find repeated reference of our Savior's second coming in each chapter of the Thessalonian epistles. Here in Thessalonians 3, we find the word faith in verse 2. We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. We see it in verse 5. Paul says to the Thessalonian church, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. It is found in verse 6. Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith. Also in verse 7, we see it in verse 10. Verse 10, we read, We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and then supply what is lacking in your faith. And the question here is, what is it about faith that Paul is trying to illuminate for us, and how is it reflected in my life and your life? You know, we hear, uh, I would say, um, most of our sermons are filled with references or mentions of faith, but how does that relate to us here? I don't know if anyone has said this before, but faith is the lifeblood that connects us to God. The scripture, actually God himself says, and we know it's impossible without faith to please him. That's why it's incumbent on every believer to have a healthy understanding of true biblical faith. Let us look at some of the features of true biblical faith. I have selected four features for our study today, and they're as follows. One, True biblical faith is a working faith. Two, true biblical faith is a growing faith. Three, true biblical faith is grounded in God. And four, true biblical faith is exemplary. So, first of all, true biblical faith as a working faith. But before I continue, I want to say that because of the rich nature of God's word that we will only be covering 
true biblical faith as a working faith. And looking at this topic, we should look at the portion of scripture that was read, and we see the attitude of Paul and the team. How did they see themselves? Now remember, we are looking at it as a working faith. And they saw themselves as co-workers of God. This was their attitude. And Paul writes in the portion of scripture that was read, he says, therefore, we could not bear it any longer. We were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. And you notice here how they saw themselves, again, as co-workers. You see, they understood that being Christian and being saved was far more than just a matter of going to heaven. Saved by faith, they understood that faith that saves is a faith of works. Now, it's not a, a works to be saved, but it's a faith of works. It produces works. Paul and his colleagues recognize that part of what it means to be saved is to, be, is to labor for the Lord and with the Lord. Let me repeat that. Paul and his colleagues recognized that part of what it means to be saved is to labor for the Lord and with the Lord. question is, how do we know? We know this because Paul actually felt the weight of what it means to labor for souls under difficulty. Most of us, you know, um, we share the gospel, but we have never experienced what Paul and the apostles had gone through. Stress, persecution. Paul writes of his near-death experiences. This gets to the heart of true biblical faith, which is active. It is not passive. It is seen in what we do and how we live for the Lord. And we can't say that we have faith in God and we're not doing anything with God and for God. But let us pause to remind ourselves the foundation of this faith. And I want you to notice three core principles of Paul's life, which is true or which should be evident in everyone who comes to the same saving knowledge of Christ. You will notice that Paul had a sole reliance on God. He also presented Christ and Christ alone. And he lived in a sphere of Christ and Christ alone. In presenting Christ, you see that in his work. And this is also true of all the other disciples and deacons. You notice this of Philip. Philip presented Christ. Paul here in Thessalonians presented Christ to the Thessalonian church. That was the work in Christ. We could say that true biblical faith as a work in faith has its sole reliance on God, its dependence on God. God calls us to work in his kingdom, 
to build on a foundation which he has laid. Notice what God does also. He provides the work, the tools, the strength, and every provision that we will need for the task. So any glory belong to him. We are just workers, co-workers in his kingdom. We don't attribute anything. He gives us what to bring to the table, even our words to speak. Too many will have, today, many will have meetings to strategize in ministry. And oftentimes, there's a faith that is placed in self rather than God. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have meetings in ministry, but you'll see when I finish here what I'm saying. I'm saying that we should rely on God. Our abilities can falsely appear as products of faith in God, but really, it's only a matter of faith in oneself. Look with me at a story of an experienced fisherman. I doubt there's anything that we could say about this fisherman, about fishing. I would go further to say that it would be an insult for a carpenter to tell this experienced fisherman something about fishing. And yet, we see this illustrated in Luke, Luke chapter 5. And reading from verse 4 to verse 8, you see what Luke's right, what he wrote. And when he had finished speaking, speaking of Jesus, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I would let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You see, faith in our abilities can oftentimes blind us to the actual faith, true biblical faith in God. We should see this account for all of us as a guardrail that God has placed for us to understand what it means to have faith in him and him alone. We know that Paul's faith rested in God and God alone. And as a result, we have evidence of his works. Remember, we are speaking of faith, the faith that produces works. And this evidence resulting in works, fruit if you will, when you have time, you can take a look at Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 7. And there, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, you will see their reliance on God was evidenced by their guiding of the Spirit of God 
as to when and where they should go. Paul heard the voice of God tell him not to enter certain cities, and he was obedient to that word because of his faith and faith alone. Paul's reliance on God and his being led by the Spirit provide the evidence that Paul and his colleagues in ministry function as co-workers of God produce as seen in chapter 16. In the region of Galatia, we have the report of the work that was done from the letters Paul wrote to the Galatians. These are all evidence of God's working in the churches, in establishing churches in this region. And when you continue to read, you see cities mentioned, including Philippi and Thessalonica. The church in the city who Paul wrote to that we are now engaged in. And you see this young church converted in a couple weeks, so to speak, and their progression. This is fruit. This is work. The work of this faith is centered on Jesus and his finished work of salvation. You know, not to say that we should not do good works. Good works, having the saving knowledge of Christ, should become our nature, who we are, good works. But the works here, produced by faith, is presenting the gospel of God to the people of God. And not only to the people of God, to the unsaved. And this is what our scripture teaches, that Timothy... Being a co-worker of God, he was not just a co-worker of God, he was a co-worker of God in the gospel of Christ. So good deeds, yes, we will do, but this is who we become. This is who we are in Christ. Listen to these words. For we know, brothers, and this is Paul speaking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because of our gospel that came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And with full conviction, for you know what kind of men we prove to be among you. The gospel of God. This is the work, being co-workers of God. This very way in which Paul presented the gospel of God to this young church stands as a template for every believer. What you see of Paul presenting the gospel and living the gospel, we see the same of the Thessalonians church. Let's look at verse 8 of the same Thessalonians chapter 1. And Paul writes, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so we need not say anything. And you see the evidence, not just in the Thessalonian church now, but now the fruit has paid off with more fruit. The same Thessalonians church, with her, the gospel of God, is now demonstrating that works of faith within the region that they're living in. So Paul can just sit back and say, we really don't have anything to say. This was marvelous. This was a joyful moment in the Lord. You know, We can look back and and see evidences of the past, the church leaders of the past, but let's bring it home. You know, 
Phil is on his way to minister to, let's say, a small congregation in a nursing home. He have heard the gospel and now he's working as a co-worker of Christ. This is present day. And this is how we should see faith working, faith in action. It is a work in faith. And this is where we are as a church. And this is where we should be as a church. Can we see our faith in God in any way reflective in the model of Paul and this early church being demonstrated? Or simply, do we have work in faith? Let me read something from Spurgeon's. He writes, If a man says he has faith and has no works, he lies. If a man declares that he believes on Christ and yet he does not lead a holy life, he makes a mistake. For while we do not rest in good works, we know that faith always begets good works. Faith is the father of holiness. And that's why I said the three aspects of Paul's life. He rested, relied on God and God alone. He presented Christ and Christ alone. And at the end, he lived Christ and Christ alone. So in coming to this close in Mark 1, true biblical faith as a work in faith, we, co-workers of God, should not take it for granted that because we present the gospel and live the gospel, that all is well. The work continues. How many times have we presented Christ to individuals and, you know, we see them again and, you know, um, we don't see any evidence of fruit. This is the reason you find that this work continues. And what you'll notice that in this text, Paul is writing to establish and exhort them in their faith. And we too should understand or look at how Paul is looking at it and see that it is very easy for one's faith, especially new believers, to be unmoored from God. So we continue in the work. We call if we can. We meet when we can in order to establish, in order to ground them, to strengthen them, in order to exhort, because there are too many resistances here in this fallen world, that we take for granted that when we present Christ, that everything is okay. We have to continue to encourage those who we minister to, and not just those who we minister to, but ourselves, because the temptation is there for each and every one of us as our faith is concerned. I pray that God would bless this message to our hearts. I pray that we will trust in God more and rely on him as the apostle did, I pray that we would present Christ and we would live for Christ and Christ alone. I pray this in Jesus' name.